Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the NHL Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by Bet365. I am your host, Josh Harris. Joining me, as always, in his Habs gear today, I will say the Habs always do play the Leafs tough, and Josh Anderson always scores against the Leafs, but excited to get your uh, Canadian season started over there? I am because, you know, last year was one of those seasons where you knew the team was going to be terrible and then all the injuries started piling up and you're just wondering how bad could this get. But, you know, Martin St. Louis coaches a pretty fast offensive team. So at least when they were bad, they were entertainingly bad. This year, there's still no expectations, but you you want to see guys like Doc and Caulfield and Suzuki and, you know, Gooley and, and whoever whoever else, Slavkovsky obviously takes steps forward. So there's no expectations for the team, but there's expectations for individual players to grow. So it's starting to get to that nerve-wracking space uh, for Canadians fans, uh, you know, where some of the guys don't show some growth this year and you're wondering how this rebuild's actually going to go. But, hey, they're going to be entertainingly bad again, and those are kind of like my favorite teams to watch. It's kind of like why I enjoyed watching Arizona last year, and I'll enjoy certainly enjoy watching the Habs this year. Yeah, and I know you're a giant Alex Newhook guy, so I'm sure you're excited about that trade. Uh, last night we had a three-gamer. Um, 
That first game got a little crazy. I thought that uh, that penalty shot calls a, a, a bit of home cooking there. Um, I didn't do great last night. I I did have O'Reilly, Forsberg, and Saros. I did have Yossi, who had like 48 attempts on goal and couldn't hit the net with a with a watermelon. So I don't know. <laughs> How'd you do last night? Uh, yeah, I went single entry. I didn't cash, um, which I thought I might because I I mean. That Seattle game, start, like I'm an hour after Eastern time. That Seattle game started here at 12.15 a.m. So I fell asleep after the first period. And I woke up to the top line, each having scored. Marshall, Barbashev, and, and Eichel had all scored. But none of them got assists on any of the goals. And then I looked at my defenseman, and Shea Theodore did nothing. Roman Yossi did nothing. Like, I had Novak. I had that Vegas top line. I had a one-off Ryan Donato. I had Mrazic and Nett. Like, I didn't have a bad lineup. I got like six points from fourteen thousand dollars worth of defensemen. So like, I yeah, I didn't I didn't cash, but you know, change out a couple defensemen and then I get into the cash. That's just the uh, kind of way this lifestyle goes. Yeah, and Nick Paul ended up scoring two power play goals, so he was super cheap and he was popular. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we got to shout out Jay uh, from our chat, J one eight seven over on Fanduel, finished second. Uh, in their big contest yesterday, he had Point and Paul double center stack um, along with uh, parts of the Vegas top line, uh, finished second. One of those, you know, 10K to first, 3K to second, pretty steep drop off uh, type of contest. But, you know, finishing second is a pretty good start uh, to the season for night one. So congrats to him. Congrats to anybody else that might have won last night. Um, Let's hope uh, we can kind of carry that momentum over here today. Yeah, for sure. We have a six gamer, but we have some big guns on the slate, and we run it. We've we've run into this problem a lot last year, where we have Matthews, McKinnon, and McDavid, Drysaddle, all on the same slate. Now they're all on the same slate on a short slate. You can kind of categorize six games as a short put short slate. Um, if you're playing single entry, I'm playing single entry again tonight. My younger one of the boys slept like 14 minutes last night, so trying to upload a CSV from Fantasy Cruncher on minimal sleep for me is going to be a problem on on full rest i have problems getting the csv uploaded so i'm going one lineup i usually go single lineup anyway but there are some decent contests tonight i was hoping the 15 would be larger the 40 would be larger DraftKings dropping the ball there per usual hopefully it'll get addressed i'm not going to hold my breath but you know Let's get into these games. Before you do, please give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our show goes live. If YouTube isn't for you, which is weird that I'm telling you YouTube isn't for you while on YouTube, we do have all of our content over on the Stochastic Podcast channel. If you could go leave us a five-star review there, that'd be great. And also, that special we ran yesterday if you click the link in the description below, you can get 10% off weekly and monthly NHL subs. That is this week only and is only for listeners. If you go through the link in the description, we truly appreciate. We don't expect you to go premium, but if you do, we truly appreciate it. Let's uh, get into this slate here. Uh, six games. First game of the night, the Ottawa Senators with a 2.8 total heading into Carolina. The Hurricanes have a 3.6 total. 
I had my biggest wins with the Ottawa Senators last year. I always tend to like to play them. They have a fully quarter correlated top line of Claude Giroux, Tim Stutzel, and Brady Kachuk, which is very nice. That being said, this is one of the worst matchups they can have to open the season. All of the top three lines for Carolina are just meat grinders defensively. I would imagine they're going to get the stall Martinook and Jesper Faust line. We were talking about this game uh, right before we came on air. If they don't change the line matching from last season, the top line for Carolina is going to go out against bottom six matchups against the Senators. And that third line is Dominic Kubalik, Chartier, and Vladimir Tarasenko. Yes, they might be fun offensively, but whoa, baby, are they going to get wrecked defensively. So what are you doing with Carolina one tonight? Yeah, um, I, I anticipate that the line matching will stay the same. So will um, our buddy Quick Party on Twitter, who does his own line matching that we subscribe to um, outside of Stochastic. It's nothing through um, this website. Um, the problem I run into with Carolina is twofold. One, they're not a team that typically plays their top guys a ton of minutes, right? Um There'll be times when, you know, that Carolina top line will play less than their what is their third line, like that stall fast Martin line. It depends on, you know, power plays and penalty kills and, and those types of things. Um, depends how well the team is playing or how, the, how well the lines are playing. Like they don't, you know, I think Aho was at like 1930 for ice time last, last season. Like you really want your top guys over 20 minutes. They don't need to because they are a team that can put out four pretty good even strength lines, um, especially once Andre Sveshnikov returns. Obviously, he was in a, a yellow jersey today. That means non-contact, so he's not ready to come back. Um, but, yeah, one concern is that they don't um, get a ton of minutes. But that's kind of balanced out with how efficient they could be in those minutes, right? <laughs> like, like you said, that third line for, for Ottawa does not look very good, and it's not as if the fourth line looks a whole much better. Like, Vladimir Tarasenko, still a pretty good offensive player, but his defense has just fallen off a cliff over the last few years. It reminds me of what's happened to Blake Wheeler over the last four or five years, to be honest. Um, and Dominic Kubalik was never um, a good defensive winger. Um, that's kind of the reasons why he's bounced around the league a little bit and bounced around the lineups wherever he's gone. Um so that bottom six is not going to be very good defensively for Ottawa. It's going to be feast time for Carolina. But these were it was not the same lineup, but pretty close to the same lineup that Ottawa had last year. And Carolina only scored five goals on them in two games, right? Um, Carolina is a team that can struggle to score, especially when you take Andre Svechnikov out of the lineup. Like, this isn't, you know, this isn't a, a Colorado team where if you lose Gabriel Landeskog, you have 25 goals, 60 point, you know, Valerie Nachushkin. You have 50 goal Miko Rantanen. You have all these wingers that can that can score well, well enough. They're not that team. Like if Seth Jarvis takes a leap forward this year, then maybe um, Martin Natchez certainly um, still has a little bit, little bit more growth to go through. But you take 35, you know, Svechnikov is probably a 40 goal scorer if he can finally play a full healthy season at this point in his career. Um, you take 35 to 40 goals out of that lineup out of the forward lineup specifically, it's a lot. So I, I do like Carolina one quite a bit here. The main reason is, is Ottawa's penalty pension, right? Like they were the most penalized team 
in the NHL last season. It, it was them or Arizona. I forget which, which way that goes. But, you know, they were first or second for most penalties against. Penalty kill was good, but not certainly not like Carolina quality good. So it's a pretty good power play spot for the Hurricanes. I wonder how they're going to run their units. And by that, I mean the ice time split um, until Svechnikov returns because, you know, Svechnikov comes back, maybe you kick a defenseman back to the second unit. Things start looking a lot better. Until that point, you know, there are some metrics that Svechnikov comes up, their best power play forward, like better than Sebastian Ajo. So losing him, at best, you're losing your best power play winger. You know, at worst, you're losing your best power play player, period. So it is a pretty good power play matchup. I wonder how good, you know, the power play will be um, without Svechnikov. There were, I was looking at the numbers before I came on the air, like with and without Svechnikov on the top power play, the shot attempts drop by like 25%. It's huge without Svech there. So it's a really good power play spot. I'm kind of hesitant to just full on stack Carolina, which kind of feels weird because it's it's a good it's a good even strength matchup, great even strength matchup for the top line. Um, you know, Michael Bunting there, he's not Sveshnikov, but he's a good dual threat guy. Like he can he has a little bit of playmaking in him. He's good, he's a good, not great goal scorer. Um, you know, the ownership's fine by our top stacks tool coming in, you know, pretty much right on their top two stack probability. I just worry that it's not as good of a power play spot as I think it might be just because I think Sveshnikov is a really underrated part of how good that top power play can be when they're really moving. Now, adding Tony D'Angelo, I think will help. Um, he's, you know, he's been their best power play guy for the, over the last decade. Like, I think it would be fair to say, like, you know, you look at Justin Falk, you look at Brent Burns, you know, they use Jacob Slavin at times, like, it really hasn't been a lot of high-end offensive defensemen to come through. So I think D'Angelo will help, but I don't think he can replace Svechnikov. Like, nobody in that lineup can. So I, Carolina one's fine because the ownership's not super high. The price isn't high. It's, it's, it's a decent, you know, they should get their power play chances. I just worry that the power play's not going to be that good because, like I said, the shot attempts and the goals really took a hit when Svech was out. Carolina two is an interesting line because you know Tuvo Teravainen a lot's been made of his struggles lately a lot of it's driven by shooting percentage like his shooting percentages have really dropped his playmaking metrics are still kind of fine um, as tracked by a website called all three zones so um, I think Carolina too isn't bad for a fillery type stack they're not coming in with super high ownership either between five and six percent on DraftKings. so I think they're okay Carolina three is always interesting to me because they're priced super cheap I don't think you need to full stack them, but because they're a shutdown line, they're always going to play reasonable minutes, right? Like there aren't going to be a lot of games where those guys only play 11 or 12 minutes because they are going to go out um, against the Stutzla line quite a bit. So, you know, if you want a two-man like Fast and Martinook or just one off toward Martinook for, for some salary savings, I think that's fine. I do like Carolina won the best, even when factoring in cost and everything. I just worry that I'm, I, I might be overrating them um, because special cost still not back. On the Ottawa side, it's like you said, it's just a brutal matchup. Like that Carolina third line as a shutdown line is straight up just one of the best in hockey. Um, not quite as good as an old Minnesota third line with, you know, Godreau, Felino and Erickson Eck, but pretty close to it. Um, 
they're a line that can score. They're a line that plays great defense. Um, you know, uh, I think it is a tough matchup for uh, that Ottawa top line. The Ottawa top line was very good last year. 3.7 expected goals for with Clojure there per 60 minutes, three and a half actual goals for, um, you know, that's like 40% higher than the league average. So obviously they were really, really good. Generate a ton of volume. I'm wondering if they don't play a lot more minutes until Shane Pinto is back in the lineup. Cause like that second line has Matthew Joseph, who probably should be on their fourth line and Ridley Grigg, who should be no higher than their third line center. Right. Um, you know, Batherson's fine, but it's not a true, it's not their true second line. And you can, you can tell by looking at what their third line is too. So I, I'm wondering if that top line doesn't play like 22, 23 minutes here tonight because they're kind of forced to, like they don't really have another option. So I don't really like the spot for that Ottawa top line, but man, there's no ownership on them, right? Um, the top two stacks has that Ottawa top line coming in under 1% owned. I don't think you need to go there in single entry. Like, you know, you don't need a half percent line um, in single entry to do extremely well. If I'm playing 20 max or especially the 150s, like I'm making sure that I have like 2% or 3% Ottawa top line, right? Um, Carolina does take, a, you know, above average rate of penalties. Um, Ottawa has a pretty good not great but a pretty good power play Carolina's penalty kills usually elite I don't think I don't understand why it wouldn't be otherwise but you know their goalies tend to have bad games every once in a while so I don't think that Ottawa top line or any of the Ottawa lines honestly is, is something that I'm targeting in single entry but if I'm if I'm somebody jamming in like I said 20 especially 150 lineups I'm coming in overweight on that Ottawa top line like I'd be at like I said at like two or three percent you don't need a lot of them you know, like not maybe seven, eight lineups if you're playing 150 max and you're going to be way over the field. But I would definitely want some of them because they are just a tremendous offensive line. It's just a tremendously awful matchup for them. So it's kind of where I am is like, I don't really love any of the lines in this game. If I had to take one and say this is the one that I would most want to play, it would be the Carolina top line, Ajo, um, Jarvis and Bunting. Um, you can leave Bunting there. Um, I think um, he's going to be on the top power play unit. He's fairly cheap. You know, they're not super expensive, so you can still get a good other stack in with them, you know, as long as you're not playing McDavid and Dreisaitl or whatever. But uh, we'll talk about the goalies at the end of the show. I'm going to be honest. I think I like the goalies in this game more than I like the forwards. Yeah, the old adage with Carolina's come for the expected goal, stay for the shutout. So, like, the goalie against them is always in play. I do agree with you. Carolina one's my favorite in this game, but I also. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung. More wow than ever. 
in MME, like Ottawa won. Like they, we talk about matchup proof lines or players like McDavid and this and that. Like Stutzla Brady Kachuk combo is getting into that matchup proof type of deal. They're not there yet, but they're like on the tier right below them. Now that stall Martinuk Foss line is just a meat grinder. Like they have a massive sample. They have a 740 minute sample. They're giving up two expected goals per 60, which is way better than the league average. So I agree. Single entry doesn't make much sense to get there, but if I was playing a hundred lineups, getting, you know, three, 4% easily over the field. And if they go off, you know, which is on this slate, like will it be enough to win a GPP if, you know, with McDavid ran like McDavid McKinnon, Matthews on the slate, maybe, you know what I mean? Like Brady Kachuk is a, is a bonus machine. Stutzla, you know, if they get, they both get the three point bonus, Brady Kachuk gets a shot bonus. They're going to be right up there for GPP winning lines. Now, again, that's, this is an MME play only favorite line. In this game is Carolina one. Let's move on to your Canadians with a 2.6 total heading into Toronto. The Maple Frauds have a four total, biggest total on the slate. Um, new faces in Toronto. They have Tyler Bertuzzi up on the top line with Matthews and Marner. I think that will benefit everyone on that line. Um, it's a bigger upgrade than having Kerfoot up there. You know what I mean? I think Bertuzzi, not the best finisher. He, like He's not great at anything, he's, but he's good at everything. He's one of those players. Then you have Max Domi on the second line with Tavares and Nylander. Huge upgrade from when Kerfoot was on that line too. He's all breaks or all gas, no breaks. Pretty poor defensively, but then you have a third line of uh, Jan Kroc, Knees, and Foster Minton. Canadians going with Caulfield, Suzuki, Anderson, Slavkovsky, Doc, and Newhook, which if you look at the small sample of Doc and Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky from last year, their defensive numbers are brutal. That top line in the smaller sample as well has awful offensive numbers, but I don't know. Like Montreal always plays Toronto tough. So like, I don't know how you factor that in. You probably can't be like, Oh, you know, they play them tough. Toronto's the rightful favorite. They had the biggest total on the slate. I like the Toronto side, but I, I, I just don't have faith in the Leafs bottom six in the Leafs blue line. Like they added Klingberg, like now with Riley off the top power play, like he's useless. Like, I, I don't know. Like I like both sides of this game. Yeah. I'm with you. I, this is what I'll say about some of the Montreal metrics is, and I know people are going to laugh at this, but if you watch the way the Edmonton Oilers play, especially with McDavid and Drysaddle on the ice, like they're not firing shots like from the top of the circles or whatever, right? And looking for rebounds or bombing shots from the pointers or, or stuff like that. You find them looking for a lot of seam passes, like backdoor passes, things of that nature. That's what Montreal does too, just to a much worse degree than McDavid and Drysaddle do, which is why they have a lot of them have terrible defensive numbers, but. Montreal plays, since Martin Saint-Louis got there, they played a lot more off the counterattack. So, like, forced turnovers. They fly the zone pretty quickly. Like, as soon as an offensive player fumbles the puck, like, their wingers will take off. And it leaves them, you know, in a five-on-two in their own or five-on-three in their own zone sometimes. Uh, but sometimes it leads to two-on-ones and three-on-twos. And that's why Montreal's typically able to score well. Not a, an elite 
goal scoring team or even a great goal scoring team, but score well enough, especially when you consider the minimal volume they generate. The flip side to that is that when you have a bunch of young players playing incredibly aggressively, um, it's a lot of turnovers. It's a lot of shots, shot, shots against. There's a reason why just basically every Montreal line has terrible defensive numbers, right? So Toronto's probably the Toronto top line is almost certainly going to go out against Suzuki and Caulfield. It's a matchup that greatly favors the Toronto top line. You know, Toronto's top line took a nosedive last year compared to the year before. I'm wondering if Bertuzzi might not help a lot. I think one thing that he kind of gets shortchanged on is his playmaking. He's a really, really good playmaker. Like he's good at creating space for himself so he can find teammates. He's good at anticipating the play. He's good at, you know, waiting for his teammates to get into a good shooting position, those types of things. Like he generally helps the shooting percentages of everybody that he plays with. And if you look at what the Toronto top line struggled with last year, it was converting their shots and their chances into goals. So I think that's where Bertuzzi is really going to help a lot. Um, he's, he's not going to help them defensively, really. He's not going to help them really create a lot more opportunities, but I think he'll help them create better opportunities of the ones that they do get. Um, I think that means that they're just going to run right over the Montreal top line. Like, you know, God bless Josh Anderson. I'm a big fan of just watching him play hockey because he's a guy that will just absolutely beat the piss out of somebody and then, you know, race down the ice and score a goal. Like, He's capable of having like 20 goals and 20 fights in a season. <laughs> he won't actually fight 20 times, but you know, he's that type of player. I enjoy watching that. Be enough to fight 20 times. <laughs> yeah, that too. He's just not good defensively. He's atrocious defensively. And with the way Suzuki and Caulfield play, they're not good defensively either. So like, I think Toronto is going to be able to take advantage of a lot of turnovers uh, from the Montreal top line, especially where, you know, that blue line's a year older, you're more experienced, but there's still a lot of guys that have only played like 50, 60, 70 NHL games. And they're only 21, 22, 23 years old. Like there's going to be a lot of mistakes. And I think that Toronto top line um, is in perfect place to take advantage of that. You know, they're coming in with heavy ownership, starting to push 20% by our top stacks, but they're also coming in, Nearly 30% uh, top two stack percentage, which is the top even strength line on the slate here tonight, like higher than Colorado, higher than, you know, either of the Edmonton lines. And I think that's because McDavid and Drysaddle are split. But, um, you know, that Toronto, I think that Toronto top line is going to be really, really, um, really push the pace here tonight. I, I, I'm wondering how the power play is going to adjust with John Klingberg there, because a lot can be said about what the player John Klingberg's turned into over the last couple of years compared to what he was five, six years ago. He can still run a good power play. Like he can still move the puck. He can still anticipate the movement of his teammates and things like that. So I think the power play should be just fine. Montreal penalty kill. Yeah, it was bad last year. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a whole lot better either. Um, even with a healthy lineup. So um, I really, really do like the Toronto top line, but like I said, there's, a ton of ownership on them. Like they're coming in at around 19% projected ownership. And that Ottawa top line is under 1%. Like, do I really, and they're basically the same price. Like, I don't think, you know, Toronto's 19 times more likely to, to have a, a, a GPP winning night tonight than, than Ottawa is. So that's kind of part of it. Um, but they are in a tremendous spot. I think it's a situation where I would just leave Bertuzzi there. Like, just think of Michael Bunting a couple years ago, right? Like, the guy had, like, 66 points or something like that, barely skating on the top power play unit just because of how good the top line was. I really, really do like that Toronto top line. 
The Toronto second line, like, is John Tavares washed? Like, he's not washed. You know what I mean? But like, he can't carry he can't carry a line anymore. And Max Domi's not a guy that really drives the play. He's kind of like a Barbashev from Vegas, where he's really good playmaker. He's good at setting up his teammates, but that's about it. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. I want to get your opinion on Toronto too, because I'm kind of torn on them where I'm like, I can see Domi really helping them, you know, create some goals, create some scoring chances. I can also see him being a reason why that line gets caved in in its own zone, especially with Tavares at the, at this stage of his career. Yeah. I think the issue with Tavares is he still thinks he's 24 years old. You know what I mean? Like he's good. He has to get to those greasy areas by in the, in the, crease and all that kind of stuff he's just not the guy who can just like power his way to the goalie now he's got to be positionally smart you know he can't rely on his athleticism anymore I still think you know he's a 2c in the NHL I just don't think you know having Max Domi relying on him in transition especially defensively that could be a mess like you said I'm in the camp that William Nylander is their best forward now, I caveat that with if Mitch Marner decides – if the Mitch Marner who shoots the puck shows up this season, Mitch Marner's the best forward. If Mitch Marner is just looking to dish to everybody, William Nylander at least shoots the puck. That line's going to be good offensively. There's going to be question marks defensively. Now, tonight, I'm not sure how much that's <laughs> coming to play. That's the thing, right? It's like going up against Slavkovsky and Alex Newhook. I'm not worried about the Toronto defense. Yeah, so, like, I, I do think, you know, that Toronto second line's in play. Again, they got two guys on the top power play unit. You know, they're not super expensive. Tavares, 6,400. Nylander, 5,900. You're getting a little bit of discount. Like, Matthews had a weird season last year. He shot the puck less, blocked shots more. He needs to come out like the Matthews from a few years ago. I was one like, I wonder if that wrist was bothering him last year or whatever. Like, I don't mind going to Toronto here tonight, but it's the Ed- Edmonton conundrum, right? It feels bad stacking the Leafs without Matthews. So you can you, make a, you, well, oh, here, let me let me put it to you this way because they're relatively the same price. Would you rather play Toronto two at 20% or Carolina one at 10%? Oh, Carolina one. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at too. Is like you're not even getting really different if you if you play Toronto too. You know what I mean? I, and I'd probably just rather go to Carolina. So that's yeah, kind of where I'm at. That's kind of where I'm like, if I'm playing Toronto tonight, I'm playing the I'm playing the top line. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Or the way to get different is Toronto is like power play stack because you get the discount with Klingberg at 3200, but then you have to fade McDavid. You have to fade Drysdale. You have to fade all the big guns on the slate. But you know. Yeah. They can you have to do that anyway, right? Like you can only get so many nine thousand dollar players in your lineup. I see the the Sens Homer has entered the chat playing Carolina against the best goalie of all time is crazy. He okay, we'll give you Nick Paul yesterday, but pump the brakes on the on the Senators goalie, right? Yeah, relax a little bit. I mean, I, I, I will say. I'm not interested in playing the Montreal second line tonight. I think that's a line where I kind of want to see them do it before I start playing them in DFS. But like Kirby Doc was probably Montreal's best forward last year. I mean, like low bar and all, but like he really, he looked like the guy he was supposed to be back in Chicago. I think Alex Newhook is going to play well in this, in this system with Marty St. Louis coaching him because Newhook's speed is his biggest strength. And this is a team that, 
like I said, we'll fly the zone as soon as there's any fumble in their defensive zone. You know what I mean? So I think it, it's not a line that I would necessarily full stack, but I do think there's some merit to maybe one offing, you know, the wingers or something like that, uh, you know, cause they might get a couple, they're probably going to get a couple odd man chances here tonight. They're just going to allow a lot more <laughs> on the way back. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I don't know. Like, I think you can one-off people on that second line. Like, Sefkovsky, like, you you would hope he takes a big step forward this year. He was the number one pick. Whether you agree with the pick or not, he was first. I do like Kirby Doc a lot. That that top line's in a really tough matchup. I think, you know, going into Tavares and Domi, I think you don't need a full stack, but, like, I think they can take advantage of them with their speed. So... I don't. I don't mind it. I, I'm not a big believer in the, in the Leafs blue line or goaltending, so I don't mind one-offing someone from the second line in Montreal. Yeah, I mean, I, that's all I have from this game is like, like I said, if I'm playing Toronto, I'm, I'm almost certainly playing the Toronto top line, and I, I don't mind Montreal one, but I think with Caulfield and Anderson being so so cheap on DraftKings, like, um, I, I think they're gonna like we have them at 10% right now. I imagine that might even come up a little bit, and that's you know. That's pretty hefty for that line on the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed. If, as we mentioned off the top, we are sponsored by Bet365. Thank you very much. And if you deposit $10, bet only five of it, you'll get $150 in free bonus bets. This is available in Kentucky, Ohio, New Jersey, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado. They will be coming to more states soon. So keep an eye out for that if you're not in one of those states and you get and they open up in, say, Pennsylvania, and you live in Pennsylvania, you can take advantage of this offer. You have to be 21 plus, 18 in Kentucky. They kind of do their own thing in Kentucky. If you have a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get into this next game, and this, this game is giving me an absolute headache. The Chicago Blackhawks, they 2.3 total. Heading into Boston, the Bruins have a 3.8 total. Chicago played last night. Connor Bedard, 11 attempts on goal. I think five ended up on net. He is more expensive uh, tonight than he was last night, which makes him very hard to play in single entry with the amount of firepower on this slate. Now, last year we gave Boston a pretty hard time on our preseason pod. And what did they do? They went out and won the president's trophy. Then they lost in the first round, whatever. But now (laughs) Bergeron retired. David Krejci retired. The top line is now James Van Riemsdyk. Pavel Zaka and David Pasternak. Now, James Van Riemsdyk on the power play will still be effective, I think. He's good net front. James Van Riemsdyk, top line wing in the NHL in 2023. I just don't think he has the mobility to do it anymore. I'm worried about the Boston depth a lot going forward. I don't know... If tonight you really have to worry. That being said, the Blackhawks probably going to Arvid Soderblom tonight, who I do think is better than Peter Morazic, although I'm not any goalie wizard or anything. I think he's a good prospect. I think he could be all right. I do worry about the Boston lines here tonight. I don't have much interest in playing them. I think, you know, playing David Pasternak is completely fine, but I, I just don't have a ton of interest in this game. So, I was looking at how Zaka and Pasternak did without David Krejci on their line. They weren't good, at least offensively. I, and I mean bad. I don't mean bad just for Boston. I mean bad 
overall, 160 minutes for Pasternak and Zaka last year without Krejci. Three expected goals against per 60 minutes, 3.7 actual goals against. Those are numbers you'd see on the Habs. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Still better than the Ducks' best defensive line, but that's for tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. Um, and James Van Riemsdyk's not going to help that. Now, I don't think they're going to use them as a shutdown line. But Chicago's second line looked almost as good as the top line did yesterday. Like, that uh, Radish and Reichel line um, generated just as many expected goals um, as the Bedard line did yesterday um, in that game against Pittsburgh. So I'm thinking it's not even a terrible matchup for that Chicago second line. Like, I, I wouldn't go out and, like, full stack them or anything, but I think you're fine just one-offing somebody like Taylor Radish. Um, you know, I wouldn't one-off Tyler Johnson on FanDuel. He's more expensive than Kevin Fiala for some reason, but... Um, <laughs> Great product over FanDuel. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. But I, that's the first thing that stuck out to me at this, if, with this game, is that ne- none of the Boston lines were really good defensively pretty much without Bergeron around. Now, the blue line's pretty much the same as it was last year. Um, take out Clifton, add in Shattenkirk, and then, you know, away we go. But they don't have anybody that can come in and replace anything close to what Bergeron can do. And to be honest, they don't even have a center that can replace Krejci. Because, like, Krejci had his issues defensively, but he was still a really, really good playmaker. And, you know, I like Zaka, but he's not as good a playmaker as Krejci was. I like Coyle, but he's nowhere as close to the playmaker that Krejci was either. So they're going to get a lot worse defensively. They're going to get worse offensively. I do have some concerns with the Bruins, um, but it is a back-to-back on the road. The Chicago team, I I think it was two wins in 14 games on the back-to-back last year. Like most of the time, they just got their brains beat in. This team does look a lot better than last year's team. At least they did in that first game against the Penguins. Um, But, you know. Seeing is believing. And you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it. Which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung. More wow than ever. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. The, the confounding problem for me is that there's not a ton of ownership that we're showing on the Bruins. And the reason is, is those top two lines are priced up to a point where you can't stack them with the Edmonton power play. You can't stack them in the Colorado power player, Toronto power player, what have you. So if you play Boston, you're probably going to have to stay away from the other big spots on the slate. So it's that conundrum where 
Do you go to the team with the 3.8 total playing the, you know, the team that's on the road back to back, or do you go to the better offensive teams? Like those are the decisions that we have to make tonight. Um, I I'm with you. Like I still, I don't mind Van Riemsdyk on the top line because he could at least do some, some stuff with the net front. Like I, I think that top line still going to be pretty good offensively. So it's Boston one for me in this game. Like, even without Krejci last year, they you know they're bad defensively, but they're still pretty good offensively. And I think they'll be that'll kind of be the case again this year, where I think they're going to have some bad defensive games, but they're still going to be a pretty good offensive team for just because of how good David Basternak is. Like, let's get serious here. So um, I do like Boston one here, um, but they are at a price point where if you stack that trio, you're probably not going to be able, unless you one off a of McKinnon and then go with a super cheap third line or something like that somewhere else. You know, we'll get to Los Angeles Kings and their mispricings in a little bit. Um, you know, unless you do something like that, you're not going to be able to get in the big guns elsewhere on the slate. So that's kind of the confounding problem. But I do like Boston one here. Boston two, I'm not in on. Like, I think, like, Jake DeBrus numbers away from Bergeron are just bad. Like, flat out bad. And Brad Marchand, he looked good in the first month or two coming back from his injury last year and then really tailed off in the back half of the season. Um Charlie Coyle's fine, but I would want him as a checking third line center. I don't want to rely on him to produce offense on my second line, which is what they're expecting from him. So, you know, that Boston second line last year when, when Pasternak wasn't there, you know, 3.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes. Like, again, that's really, really bad. Um, you know, Marshan and Coyle both struggled defensively. It's just that we didn't see it with Marshan because he was playing it, playing with Bergeron so much. And Coyle was playing in the bottom six, so he had soft matchups. Though both those things are not going to be true for the 23-24 season. So um I do like Boston one here. I will say that I think I'd probably just rather shave off a couple grand and go play Carolina instead at lower ownership. Um but I it is Boston one or nothing for me here. I, I'm not in on the third line. I think a lot of people are gonna be hyped about Matthew Poitras. Uh, on on that third line with Fred Frederick and Geeky, I'm not quite there yet. Um, you know, at, at their price, I'd rather just go play a proven third line like Carolina or something like that. Um, on the Chicago side, I, I think ownership wise, you're you're fine to go there. Maybe the Blackhawks can surprise us. You know, it's a young team. It's at the very start of the season. If they're ever going to be rested for a back to back, this is going to be the one. Um, I think I would probably just rather salary save and do like a two man of like Reichel or Radish or something like that. I wouldn't preclude Chicago completely if I'm playing a ton of lineups here tonight. Um, I think they might surprise a little bit, but it is Boston one that I like the most in this game. It'll be interesting to see what kind of season Linus Allmark has without Bergeron because he did struggle in Buffalo. Now, Bergeron's gone. They still have a very good blue line and they probably will still have a good penalty kill even without Bergeron, but the level Omar played last season, I don't know if that's sustainable, but, you know, we'll see. Next game of the night, we have the Winnipeg Jets with a 2.9 total. Heading into Calgary, the Flames have a 3.1. Now, new coach in Calgary, the Muppet is gone. That's good for Huberdo. Matt Coronado made the team. He's on the second line with Sharon Govich and Kadri. He is, if you don't know who he is, he basically came out of Harvard, played in the playoffs, or played one game in the regular season last year. He's 20 years old. He's 
a, a pretty highly touted prospect. I think he had 10 points. No, it was eight points in 10 games for Team USA in the World Juniors. He is a good prospect. He is very cheap on the top power play for the Flames tonight. Now, we were discussing this game before we came on the air. New coat. Don't know exactly the line matching, but we both kind of agreed that Backlund, Mangiapane, Coleman going to go out against the Shifley, Connor, and Gabriel, Gabriel Velarde line. That Backlund, Mangiapane, Coleman line have ridiculously good numbers on both ends of the ice. Um, so that's going to free up, you know, Lindholm and Kadri to go up against middle and bottom six matchups now. Jets are an interesting team. They're... I thought they were going to rebuild, and they signed Hellebuck and Shifley to lifetime contracts, essentially. Cole Perfitti is going to be the 2C for the Jets with Nita Ryder and Ehlers. I just – Rick Bownis is is just the X factor on this team. Like, you just don't know what he's going to do with Ehlers. He hates him. He plays him, like, 13 minutes, doesn't have him on the top power play. I'm kind of interested in the Calgary top line here. I, I like Coronado as a one-off because he's top power play for 3K. Now, Hellebeck is one of the, the better goalies in the league. And their penalty kill generally wasn't awful last year, which is a surprise for the Jets. So not sure how much interest I have in this game. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side, Calgary had a great penalty kill last year. Like it was one of the areas where they didn't really didn't struggle. They had you know one of the three or four best penalty kills in the league. Um, and Winnipeg is a team that, you know, kind of like Vancouver, I would say, has lived and died by their power play for offensive success. On the topic of bonus, this is, you know, you and I brought him up quite a bit last year on the, on the show. This is the difference. Is two years ago, when Paul Maurice was still there, Winnipeg was 12th in the league in shots off the rush. Now, shooting off the rush usually means like three-on-twos, two-on-ones, um, you know, quick and en- quick entries turning into quick shots and stuff like that. It's it's it generally stuff that's not cycling and forechecking and et cetera, et cetera. Two years ago, they were 12th in the league. Last year, they were 27th. Like the only teams worse than them are the teams that you would expect to be worse than them, like San Jose, Chicago, Columbus, like those kinds of teams. It, 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 and if you're wondering why a bunch of their guys basically saw shooting percentage crashes, it's because they're asking a bunch of guys that have been playing off the rush for three, four, five, six years to start playing a forechecking cycling style of hockey. Big surprise. It didn't go very well. Now they made it to the playoffs where they got just, you know, shelled out pretty quickly. Um, I'm wondering if it, if it took a year to acclimate the players to the new system and things are going to be better this year. We'll see. I still don't have a lot of faith. I don't know why you would take, a guy, a, a forward pair like Kyle Connor, Mike Shifley, and say, you know, go four check. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing here? It reminds me of it reminds me of Montreal with Dominic Ducharme. That's what he did with Caulfield and Suzuki. He was like, dump the puck in and go four check. And he's like, have you seen these guys? They're like five foot eight. <laughs> you know, like I don't know why. So like maybe they'll acclimate the bonus and the offense will be better this year. But by the same token, like like I said, Calgary had an elite penalty kill last year. The guy that that's head coaching now, Huska, was on the bench with Sutter last year, so he would probably be familiar with their penalty kill. Um, if that carries over, it's a, not a good power play spot for Winnipeg, and they're going up 
what I think is going to be a brutal matchup against that backland line. And I think Velarde is going to help out on that Winnipeg top line. Um, I just think that, you know, for me, he's going to help out on a different slate. Now they are very, they're reasonably priced, you know, all top power plays, 17 K on DraftKings. Not a lot of ownership, three to four percent. And Jacob Marshall was pretty bad last year. Um, like it's not a stretch to say he was the reason why they missed the playoffs. Like I know Huberto had a bad season and Kadri didn't have as many points as people wanted, et cetera, et cetera. Jacob Marshall makes a few extra saves, they get into the playoffs. It, it, but he had one of the worst seasons of his career. Um if he's back to anything close to the guy he was the year before, like Calgary's gonna be one of those sneaky teams, I think. Um, I'm not in on Winnipeg one Winnipeg two, I think is where things start to get interesting for me because Cole Perfitti is one of the young players that I am like, I think the world of him like offensively anyway, like I think he's just a tremendous offensive player. Um, good, good playmaker, really good shooter can find the soft spots in the zones, you know, to get, um, good scoring chances and things like that. And he's got Ehlers and Niederreiter beside him. And the reason why that's important is those two guys, unlike Shifley and Connor, those two guys have typically played pretty well for checking cycling, doing that type of thing, especially Niederreiter. So where he's going to have two wingers that can kind of show him the way, if you want to say, um, kind of play the way that bonus wants him to, I think that they're going to actually end up being a pretty good line. You know, I'm not really worried about the defensive, you know, prowess of Elias Lindholm and Dylan Dubé. I'm not worried about the defensive prowess of Yegor Sharangovich and Matt Coronado. I honestly think Winnipeg 2 is one of my favorite filler lines here tonight. Um, We have them at about 3% ownership, a little bit over leveraged, but not a lot. Um, You know, if you want to leave Niederreiter off or something like that, I think that's fine. I think they make, you know, it's a perfect spot for a two-man stack. Ehlers is a guy that likes to shoot. And for all his problems last year, he kept up his shot volume on a per-minute basis. Um, so, you know, Ehlers and Perfidi, Ehlers and Niederreiter, I think that's kind of the direction I would go with Winnipeg is, is go towards their second line. Um, the Calgary side, for me, it uh, – why is Dylan Dubé on the top line? <laughs> He's a Tasmanian devil. I, I don't know, man. That guy – you can't if you play that line. You cannot watch the game. Like he will drive you nuts. But he's a pretty good fantasy producer. I don't know. Yeah, he. That's the thing. Is like he's a shift disturber. Is is what what you, what you might call him. I, I actually don't like him. I I just don't. He's not a first liner. You know what I mean? I, yeah, no, I, I he's not. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind having like on the third line or something like that. But it's Kadri, Sharon, Govich, Coronado that I would go with. Like. I know Kadri didn't have a great year last year. If you look at his numbers, it was basically just the assists. He went from a like by far career high assist rate to basically what's normal for him. Like he's not a 60 assist guy. You know, he's more like a 30 to 40, um, still plenty of shots. So like a Kadri Coronado two man, um, you know, throw on Sharon Govich if you want. He's not that, you know, not super expensive or anything. So you can three man that. But I think, you know, especially where um, they're on the power play together, I think Kadri Coronado as a two man make a lot of sense. Calgary three makes a lot of sense. They're actually coming in basically with the same ownership as the top line. And honestly, not far off the top line in terms of top two stack probability. Like I was talking about in our discord earlier today, a little bit, that Coleman line was utterly dominant last year in a massive sample where it was like 400 minutes together or something like that. Stupid how good they were. Yeah. So 
I mean, I don't mind a, a two, like I said, a two man of Kadri and Coronado. I think Calgary three might be their best line, but I, 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 I early in the seasons, I, where they do tend to call more penalties, I want guys on the power play. And, for, and you know, for me, that's, that's Kadri and Coronado tonight. And I wrote up Coronado in the picks article, free to read over at stochastic.com. Um, wrote him up too. So I think it's Kadri Coronado that I would lean to, but I think their third line looks pretty good too. Yeah, I agree on Calgary too. You want to play Calgary one. I think that's fine as well. On the Winnipeg side, I, I I kind of agree with you on Winnipeg too. I worry about Euler's ice time. He could play 13 minutes tonight. He could play 17. You just don't know. They're cheap enough where you can get away with it. Also, if you're interested in Alex Ayafalo, Min Price on the top power play. Why he's on the power play over Nick Euler's, I, I, I don't know. But he's Min Price. If you're looking for a Min Price, Top power play guy. Granted, Calgary's penalty kill has been excellent. I'm still high on Markstrom. I just think, you know, need a little sports psychologist, maybe a little mood stabilizer, and, and he'll be good. But, yeah, min price, top power play, always in play. If you didn't know, Stochastic has a Hall of Fame. You can download the Stochastic avatar at stochastic.com backslash avatar. And if you place in the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants, tweet the win to at StochasticHOF on Twitter or X. I don't know what they call it nowadays. And if you do, you will win a free month of Stochastic packaging of your choosing. The packages on Stochastic are sports-specific. So if you want NHL, just tell them NHL. And uh, you can only win one free month per year. But if you are winning enough to tweet them more than once, I think you'll be okay. Um, also, just a reminder, again, there are almost 200 of you in the chat here tonight. Thank you very much for coming, but hit smash that like button. And if you are thinking about going premium, click the link in the description below. It'll get you 10% off weekly and monthly subscriptions. Uh, that is for this week only. And for people listening, you cannot get the code in the Discord or on Twitter. It will be through this show link only. Let's get to the last two games of the night, and they are doozies. We have the Colorado Avalanche with a 3.1 total heading into Los Angeles. The Kings have a 2.9 total. New faces for the Avs here. Jonathan Drouin up on that top line with McKinnon and Rantanen. Second line is familiar. Lekkinen with Nishushkin, but Ryan Johansson, top power play Ryan Johansson. God. He's... I, I don't know. Maybe he'll be fine there. Maybe he won't be. I, I don't know. But that third line is also interesting. I don't know if you need to get there tonight because it's it's a tough matchup. But Ross Colton, Miles Morningwood, he'll maybe rise up. And Tomas Tatar. I think unlike big slates where you need some salary savings, they could be an interesting play going forward. Los Angeles, the biggest thing here is their pricing. They are unbelievably cheap. Uh, you got... Pierre Locke Dubois at 3,500 on the top power play. Um, you know, Kevin Fiala's appropriate place. We were talking about this game before earlier in a DMs. I was kind of curious who you thought was going to go out against McKinnon. You thought it with Arvidsson out, it could be Pierre Locke Dubois, Kevin Fiala, and Alex Lafreniere, not to be confused with Alexis Lafreniere, uh, just because you think. They do not like using Kopitar in a shutdown matchup. And without Arvidsson, uh, that Dino line takes a hit. 
Yeah, I I think it might end up being Dubois just because it, it'll be their best line. But I was just looking at the news. Um, Arthur Kelly, I've got suspended. <laughs> Pulling a Tom Wilson and getting suspended for multiple <laughs> games in the preseason. Like, good job. Um, and Arvidsson's hurt. And they don't have cap space to call anybody up. So they're going with 11 forwards. Um, I think that's going to mess with their bottom six lines quite a bit. I don't think Laferriere is going to spend the entire game next to Fiala and Dubois. Like, I think maybe you see Trevor Moore move up, you know, for a shutdown match. Like, just because they're going with 11 forwards and they're not going to use Kopitar a ton as a shutdown line, I think you're just going to see kind of like a rotating cast almost. To me, even with Arvidsson out, it makes the most sense to still use Dano in that shutdown matchup. You know what I mean? You want to free up your best offensive players to not have to play against Nathan McKinnon and, and Miko Rantanen. Like, that would make sense to me. But um, I'm, we'll, we'll see what happens because them going with 11 forwards um, kind of throws things a little bit into disarray. But, yeah, I, I think Dubois and Fiala are going to see some of that matchup and then um, even more um, – with the no and more uh, going out against um, Nathan McKinnon. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I'm wondering what's going to happen to the power play too because Kaliev was on the second power play, Arvidsson on the top power play. Um, Dubois is probably going to move up to the top power play unit. But with Arvidsson and Kaliev out, it doesn't leave a lot for a second power play unit, right? Like this is a team that somewhat split its power play units, at least until like the final quarter of the season last year. But are, are they going to really give like 40% of the power play time to, you know, Trevor Moore and Alex Laferriere over Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and Kevin Fiala? Like that seems insane to me. So I'm wondering if this is in a game where the Los Angeles top power play for one of the few games this season is going to get, 80% of the power play time or something like that. Um, you know, Colorado didn't take a ton of penalties last year, um, but the penalty kill wasn't that great either. Now, maybe injuries played a factor into that, and they went and got Colton, and they went and got Wood. Like, those are guys that can uh, penalty kill. Um, but, you know, the Los Angeles power play itself, like, Los Angeles – Last season, I think after Thanksgiving, was the number two power play in the league behind Edmonton. Um, basically, once they got Quentin Byfield onto the roster. So, you know, add Pierre-Luc Dubois and a healthy Kevin Fiala, and I think that power play could be pretty good. So, you know, I I like the Dubois line 
the problem is, is that they're going to get so much ownership because of that pricing, right? Like our top two stack has them at 16% ownership. And you can't argue with that because they're priced like they're the third line from Montreal or something. Like it's insane. So I'm not going to say don't play them, but I think it might be a situation where, you know, take Laferriere off and put on Adrian Kempe or go double center with um, Dubois and Kopitar to make it more of a power play stack or something like that. There's just going to be too much ownership. Like there's going to be so many one-off Dubois as a center here tonight because you can put Dubois and then McDavid and then still fit in Dreisaitl. Now you got three number one centers in your lineup. Um, I just, the pricing is really throwing me through a loop. Um, the Los Angeles top line, I think, is still really interesting. Kopitar, Kempe, Byfield. I wrote a lot about Byfield in the offseason. And the big thing that I noticed when going back to watch a lot of his shifts was that he was a guy that would was able to make the second and third option play on a zone entry or something like that, right? Like a lot of the guys that, that had come before, it was, you know, dump it in and go chase. Or, you know, if you see a guy that might be open, try to force feed him the puck. But Byfield doesn't do that. Like, He'll stop and curl and he'll wait for the second wave to come. And if he's, if it's not there, he'll chip it in the corner and go get it himself. And he'll make, he'll look to make extra plays that a lot of the wingers on the top line for Los Angeles just haven't for years now. Um, and I, I kind of like him adding that, you know, uh, playmaking ability. Like he's not necessarily known for his playmaking, but that's what I saw. So um, I really do like that top line. They were good last year. 2.7 expected goals, 3.9 actual goals per 60 minutes and 475 minutes together. I'd expect that actual goal number to come down. But, you know, if Byfield turns his shooting percentage around, Kempe's usually a pretty good shooter himself. Like, it might not come down a lot. So I think there's merit to just go into the Los Angeles top line. And if you want to take off Byfield and put on Fiala, take off Byfield and put on Dubois or something like that, Um you can still make it a pretty cheap power play stack in what I don't think is a bad power play spot for Los Angeles, especially if they go with a heavy top unit on the Colorado side, it's the top line. It's it's straight up the top line. Like I, I don't have a lot of faith in, in Lekkanen and Nishushkin playing together. Um, Their expected goals numbers haven't been great. Actual goals numbers have a lot of it is just a shooting percentage bender. I'm worried about who's actually going to pass the puck on the Colorado third line. Like I don't see a single guy that's a decent playmaker on that line. They're all goal scorers or checkers to some degree. Uh, so for me, it's Colorado's top line and by pretty big margin is my favorite line in this game. But I think making some sort of Los Angeles power play stack makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I, I guess you could leave Drew Renoff and put in Ryan Johansson or something, but like I, I oh, Ryan Johansson on the top power play. Drives me nuts over Nishushkin, but, you know, Druen I thought was going to be cheaper. He's 4,500. I, I think offensively, which is what you play DFS for anyway, really, I think he will fit right in on that line. Um, Colorado won my favorite line in this game, but I do agree. I think you do some kind of Kings power play stack with the top line guys. Uh, if Byfield is on the top power play, so you just leave it, but he's not, and, you know, you want def, you want Fiala, or if you need the salary, you put, you know, PLD on that power play stack. Let's move on to the last uh, game of the night. We have the Edmonton Oilers with a 3.8 total. Heading into Vancouver, the Canucks have a 3.1 total. Connor Brown up on the top line with Evander Kane and Connor McDavid. Now, I'm a big 
Connor Brown guy, assuming he can stay healthy. I think he will uh, do good things with McDavid. Kane and McDavid have historically awful numbers for, you know, a McDavid line. The second line is Nugent Hopkins, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman, fully correlated on the power play. Very good power play spot. That being said, it feels awful full stacking that line without McDavid. So, I, I, I again, for me, it's some kind of power play stack for the Oilers. On the Canucks side, we've talked ad nauseum in the past few seasons. Canucks are one of the, the most reliant teams on the power play. This is a fairly good power play spot. Uh, if you want to, you know, like I'm glad Kuzmenko is starting the season on the top power play. He is, he's arguably, he like, he was arguably one of the best net fronts on the power play in the NHL last season. He was getting kicked off for God knows who. Uh, I think you can power play stack. I, I do prefer that top line. I know they're probably going to get the McDavid matchup, but like Kane and McDavid at five on five aren't anything to be scared about. I don't think. Yeah. But I, I, I'm wondering if Connor Brown's not going to make a bigger difference than, you know, we think he will. Like if there's one thing, yeah, I'm I'm just waiting for quick party to chime in on how good Connor Brown actually is. He's, 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 he's going to be like Connor Brown. Greatest Sens winger of all time. Yeah, but the one thing like Connor Brown typically excelled at year after year, if you look at his metrics, are his playmaking metrics, right? Like he missed all that, almost all last year with an injury. Um, but he's typically been a really, really good playmaker. And the funny thing is, you and I were talking over the summer with some people uh, about, you know, Edmonton's power play, McDavid and all that. You'd think Connor McDavid would have one of the highest secondary assist rates in the league just because he puts up so many effing points. But he doesn't. I like over. I think it's over the last two years. He's outside the top 100 forwards in secondary assist rate at even strength. And the reason is, is because he's the only guy that's been able to pass the puck on the top line, right? Like Zach Hyman, not a good playmaker. Evander Kane, not a good playmaker. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's fine, but he's not a great playmaker. Like Connor Brown might be the best passer that McDavid has played with since Jordan Eberle and Taylor Hall were there. And I mean that. Uh, obviously, other than the times they get dry sidle, like Peron slag. Yeah, I, yeah, it's true. Other than the times dry sidle has been on the top line, like he might be the best playmaker they've had, and it could help everybody on that line score more. It is a Vancouver's penalty kill did get better under Rick Tockett, but getting better went from you know probably the worst in the league to like twenty fourth. You know what I mean? Like it was. It was better, but it didn't really – it doesn't matter a whole lot. Like, it's still an historic Edmonton power play. What I noticed about the Edmonton second line is that particular trio didn't score, doesn't score a ton of goals at 5-on-5. Five 3.3 five. goals per 60 minutes in their time together. It's not as much as you might think, and they have some pretty bad defensive numbers. Like, 3.3 uh, – 3.8 – expected goals against 3.4 actual goals against again those are Montreal Canadiens numbers they're not numbers you would expect to see uh from a cup contender so I I don't mind that that uh Besser Miller D Giuseppe line on the Vancouver side and it feels weird to say that but it's for two reasons one you get Besser and Miller on the top power play unit two as much as I like Kuzmenko I've never seen a player with so many red flags of regression coming his way that is 27% shooting last year, which like 
27% is a two-week bender. It is not a six-month bender, which is exactly what happened. And I think he was second or third in his secondary assists at even strength in the league, like on a per-minute basis. Those are just two gigantic red flags of regression. Um, I'm worried that that's going to hurt Pedersen. Connor Garland didn't have a good year last year. Like, they need him to rebound. So they need Garland to rebound and Kuzmenko not to regress too much in order for Pedersen to come close to repeating the season he did last year. So I think in the softer matchup, what I think is going to be the softer defensive matchup, I like Vancouver too here tonight, but yeah, like this, this game's about the Edmonton power play. I think a lot of people are going to end up stacking Edmonton too and leaving McDavid off of it. I might find a way to leave McDavid on that stack somehow. There are enough cheap guys all across this slate on DraftKings that I think you can get, you can probably get away with at least using the top Edmonton forwards, power play forwards. I'm not so sure about Bouchard. Yeah. And got a $2 super chat from Ryan Rennebaum. Hopefully I said that correct. Favorite GPP goalie tonight on DraftKings. We are about to get to goalies in a second. Uh, Yeah, we're going to do defensemen and then we're going to do goalies. So hang tight. We always do, if you're new to the show, uh, at times last year we would do uh, defensemen and goalies in the game, but then we decided to give it a its own little spot at the end of the show. So it's fresh in people's minds. So before we get there, uh, thank you again to bet 365 for being our sponsor coming up later today at 6 PM. There is the NBA first look. The season doesn't start for, I don't think like two weeks, um, but they did drop opening night salary. So Greg Ehrenberg and Josh Engelman will have a show at 6 PM tonight, going over the first look of the first night slate. Uh, so if you're NBA fella or lady, stick around for that at 6 PM. Let's get into defensemen and goalies. There are some cheap defensemen that I like tonight. Who are the, uh, big guns you're looking at? Yeah. I mean, I wrote up Evan Bouchard, um, in the picks article. I, he just seems like such a good, like, I think after Ekholm got there last year and Bouchard went to the top power play unit, including the playoffs, Bouchard put up 36 points in 33 games. And he's a guy that does love to shoot. Like, he's not like a Quinn Hughes. I'll get to him in a second. He's not like a Quinn Hughes who barely shoots. So I think Bouchard's got to be near. I mean, Kale McCarr, Kale, any slate Kale McCarr is playing, he is at, he's at or near the top of the options. Other than McCarr, it's Bouchard. Quinn Hughes is kind of interesting to me, and this is why. In the 2022 offseason, he talked about his desire to start shooting the puck a lot more because he still hasn't had a season where he's he's managed two shots per game. Um, that didn't happen last year, obviously. In the preseason, he was like third among all defensemen in shots per minute. And, you know, it's only like four preseason games or whatever. But it seemed like there was a genuine interest in Hughes to actually make good on his promise to start shooting more that he made 16 months ago. So Hughes of 5100 is kind of interesting to me because I don't think he's he's I don't think he's going to carry that much ownership because he's not a defenseman that shoots a lot and that's not something that you want on DraftKings. But if he is a, if he does start shooting, he's probably like a $6,500 defenseman, like you know somewhere in the Bouchard range. So. I think Quinn Hughes is kind of interesting here tonight. So it's Hughes and Bouchard, oddly enough, both in the same game for me. 
Uh, more in the mid-price range, I wrote up Tony D'Angelo as well. Even if he only plays 17 or 18 minutes, the, like Carolina should get their power play opportunities, and that's where you know D'Angelo really makes hay. Um, Jake Sanderson, 4,300 um, on the other side of that game. I like him as well. It's a bunch of guys around like the 3,500 and under mark. Um, Dimitri Orlov running the second power play unit for Carolina. Um, I like him. Um, you mentioned John Klingberg earlier. He's 3,200 running the top Toronto power play. Uh, him, obviously. Matt Roy. I think Roy might start getting some more minutes as him and Gavrikov kind of show themselves to be the top pair for the, for the Los Angeles Kings. And Roy does like blocking shots. So if he's getting to like 21 minutes, um, he's going to be even more expensive. So I don't mind Matt Roy. Uh, Jordan Spence, 2,500 running Los Angeles, second power play unit. But like I said earlier, I'm kind of worried of how many minutes that power play unit is actually going to get. Arbor Jack guy. From that, your Montreal Canadiens, 2,600 running the second power play unit as well over there. So um, there are a lot of defensemen at around that $3,000 and less range that I like on DK tonight. Yeah, the one I'll just add, uh, Travis Hamannick is also min-price uh, going at. Oh, we should probably add Tyler Myers as well. Um, 2,900, I think Vancouver's going to have to go 11-6 as well here tonight. Um so he and their third pairs like Jolson and Akito Haros, I think. So they're not going to get a ton of minutes. So Myers might actually get like 20 minutes here tonight. Don't mind that for 2,900. Let's get to goalies here. I think the one that jumps off the page is Connor Hellebuck, 7,500 on the road. I do like some more road goalies here again. Arvid Soderblom, 6,800. Anytime a goalie gets down at that price, he's probably going to see a bunch of volume. So I don't mind it there. Um, like Yorgia, like I, I don't know, like goalie on the slate doesn't feel great. Like I don't really want to pay up for Olmark or Sam or Samsonov. Samsonite, I was way off, but like I, I don't know, like there isn't one that really sticks off the page besides Hellebuck. Yeah, uh, Hellebuck. Obviously, I just want to mention. I, I haven't checked it. Uh, the update on the Los Angeles defense. Um, quick party saying Spence isn't playing. I, like, I swear to God, if they're playing Andreas Anglin instead of Jordan Spence, like, this might be my last night ever playing DFS. Like, that's going to be just beyond frustrating. Um, in net, uh, Judas Corpusella, I wrote him up. Any goalie going into Carolina is a goalie that I'll play. Um, I do like Anderson on the other side of that game as well. Um, Ottawa didn't have a lot of trouble generating shots last year. It was generating goals. Um, they're mi- And they're still missing guys out of the lineup. So, um, Anderson, Corpusello, um, Hellebuck. Those are kind of like my three row goalies here tonight. Uh, don't mind Georgiev either. Like, you know, if Los Angeles is going to be missing some players out of their own lineup, um, and I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards Los Angeles because of the pricing on DraftKings, I don't mind Georgiev. Yeah, the thing with Georgiev, or, or the thing with the Kings is, like, they don't mind playing some high-paced games either. So, like, they're going to have their shots on goal. I, I don't mind Georgiev. I do agree with Corpusalo. Yeah. The Carolina goalie also. I, if I'm going to spend up for a goalie, it's going to be the Carolina uh, Freddie Anderson over Olmark and Samsonov. Who you liking for your hat trick pick? Um, it's going to sound sacrilegious, but I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leaf tonight, and I'm going with Tyler Batuzzi. I got to go a little bit spicy meatball. That that was pretty spicy. That was pretty spicy. Anyway, um, I'm going to go Seth Jarvis. I really hope he kind of gets off the ground. Um, he reminds me of like Martin Natchez um, a, a little bit. So um, 
I just kind of, man, I just liked his, I want to see him hit the ground running. I think there's a lot of Carolina guys that could really take a step up this year. Yep. So for Cliffy, I'm Josh. We'll be back tomorrow. I think we're here every day this week. I didn't really peep at the schedule, but the NHL doesn't start to NHL until next week when it's like 14-1, 13-2. I think there are mid-sized slates all this week. So make sure to smash that like button on the way out. Make sure to, if you're thinking about going premium, hit the uh, link in the description. And uh, good luck, everybody. And if you're not subscribed, stick to Roblox. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.